Shalom, and thank you for listening to sermons from Tikvat Israel, a Messianic synagogue in the heart of Richmond, Virginia. Listening to the podcast is great, but if you want the full experience, please join us on Zoom or in the building Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. for our worship service. For the Zoom link, please contact tikvatdirector at gmail.com or contact us on our website, tikvatisrael.com. There you can also support the ministry, learn more about Messianic Judaism, and find helpful resources. May Hashem bless you through the hearing of His Word. So, I'm talking about relational gospeling I was asked to do, and um, because, uh, let's see here, let's see, this big idea here that we're going to share about the relational gospeling is going to be that this is so obvious, this idea of relational gospeling, but it's also so hard, and it's also so simple to start, but somehow so scary to step out of the boat and actually do it. So that's the big idea. We're going to have one main verse. We're not going to have a lot of scripture today. I'm going to share a lot of stories, but we will go into the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 14, verse 29. It's called the main one. And he, being Yeshua, said, Come! And Simon Peter, who you already referenced in your earlier scripture, liturgy, got out of the boat and walked on the water to Yeshua, to go to Yeshua. So, that's the main, main uh, verses. We're going to, because relational gospel is like a made-up word. I love it. I love the concept. So I'm going to go a little bit with the playfulness, and we're going to do a little Hebrew slogan here. For anyone who doesn't know Hebrew, we're going we're gonna to dive in a little bit. If you don't know, Hebrew's mostly made up of these three-letter roots. And this three-letter root for gospeling, evangelizing, for outreach, uh, is bet, shin, or sin, resh. Bet, sin, resh. For the word for gospeling would be bisur. Is what we use for the word for gospeling or evangelizing. The, the word for good news, the gospel itself, is bisura, which has that same bet, sin, resh root. And then you have to give the good news, to share the good news, is levaser. It has that same bet, sin, resh, because it's all connected to the same root. And here's a fun one. The word meat or flesh is basar, bet, sin, resh, basar. And just one literally kind of side note, which is really fun. Where I live is called Mevaseret Zion, which means the evangelist of Zion. It comes from the same root uh, of everything. So I'm just going to share, put some of these words together for a little, a little, a little slogan. Levaser habsora lechol basar. To uh, share the good news with all flesh. That's what we're going after. And that's what uh, relational gospeling is about. Um, and with that said, I think I'm going to sign off of the uh, the PowerPoint for a second. And we're just going to go straight to me. Can you guys see me now? Big Jonathan? Okay, great. Wonderful. That worked out really well. So I love the concept of relational gospeling. Uh, it's such a fresh way to put a, I don't know, new wording to a 2,000-year-old mandate. Um, we're obviously wired for relationships. I don't know if you guys know that and have experienced that. You're wired for relationships. We we aren't meant to be alone. It is not good for a man to be alone. We're supposed to have relationships. But when we think of the gospelers, if I can say gospelers from gospeling, um, we think a lot of times of like the big names of Billy Graham and Reinhard Bonnke and George 
Whitfield, Whitefield. Uh, we think of somebody passionately preaching and droves of people coming down to an altar call or something. If only they knew what the altar was meant for in the Judaic system, in the Hebrew system, the temple. They might not come down. But anyway, they, um, they, that's what we think of a lot of times. But I want to say we do have some examples of people who do it in a more relational way, not just the frontal preaching, big bombastic stuff. Um, two examples come to mind already. Heidi Baker, if you know who Heidi Baker is in Mozambique, she goes and she's with these extremely poor people in these really dirty, filthy conditions. She goes into the hospitals where these children are, are basically dying and goes and prays for people. And that, that's like, a for me, pretty relational. If you're willing to get down into the muck of everything with somebody, I think that's uh, pretty awesome. Also, uh, maybe not in a, in a messing Jewish context, but uh, Mother Teresa was out there serving the poor and the needy in India for so long. So those are two really good examples of people who are pretty famous, though, and they have um, been relating people uh, on a kind of personal level and seeing great impact. And I believe there's a lot of unsung heroes. Let's just say that I believe there's a lot of people who, when we have New Jerusalem come down of heaven as a bride adorned for a husband, we're gonna we're gonna hear a lot of stories about people whose ripple effects of their evangelism in a relational way is made huge impacts. So I believe that that will happen. Now, caveat, I don't think I have ever been a very great gospeler, evangelist, outreacher, whatever you wanna call it. That, that is not how I've been built and, and how I've grown up. Uh, in fact, um, I, I don't really, didn't really like to share my faith for most of my life. Because, uh, you know, as you're growing up and messing in Judaism anyways, you, and my, all my life I've been in this, uh, you're kind of a weirdo. And uh, people think of you as a weirdo already for that reason. But don't feel sad for me. It's okay. You should see the other guy. It's okay. Um, and also, I, even, even in the comedian world, uh, there's a guy named Jim Gaffigan. And I don't know if you guys know Jim Gaffigan, but he's a great comedian. He, he told it like this. He said, there's something really awkward about you know, coming up to somebody and saying, like, do you know Jesus? And he's a Catholic guy, and he said, you know, I bet if you were to go up even to the Pope and say, hey, Pope, do you know Jesus? You'd say, hey, freak, I keep my work at work. That's what Jim Gaffigan says. So funny guy, and it is awkward uh, to share. Um, although relationships are so organic, Something about, and, and gospel is so central, gospeling is so central to our lives. We have this mandate to make disciples of, the, of all the nations. There's something really hard about it. There's something really difficult about relational gospeling in general and also. And why is it hard for us? I think part of the reason is because we just don't do it. We, we aren't really doing much relational gospeling. And I think that um, the, the picture that comes to my mind is like a, a muscles, muscles that aren't used, they atrophy, they kind of uh, shrivel up and are, are completely useless um, uh, for doing anything with them. That's, that's how I think of it. I think about uh, somebody who just hasn't moved for, for long periods of time, they, their body starts um, de 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 decomposing almost, but their muscles atrophy. That's kind of the thing I think of. I think our, our, our gospeling muscle has atrophied in the body, at least in, in the Messianic Jewish uh, community. Um, I know that 
my life did not reflect very much relational gospeling or any kind of evangelism at all. Um, and if you are like me and you have had no real experience and bringing into a relationship, whether existing or a new relationship, uh, the idea of the good news, then you also have a muscle that needs to be built up, just like I did. And what happened for me, and I'm going to share a little bit of my own experience here. What happened for me is we had a group come and um, called Power and Love put on a conference in Jerusalem about three years ago that they, I think it was a three or four day conference, and they, they did a lot of preaching and training, and we went out, and they told us how to, how to be motivated with love and to go out and just share the love of Yeshua with people, and also to be you know willing to do prayer for people and see healings and all kinds of stuff like that. And it was the first time in my whole 10 years at that time of being in Israel that I'd ever seen a native Israeli non-believer be healed miraculously on the spot. It was, it was incredible to see. We are in the shuk, if you know the shuk, the, the market right next to downtown, the Jewish shuk. And I was with a couple people coming from overseas and they just said, hey, do you have any pain anywhere? And she said, yeah. I have pain in my hand. Like, do you have pain in your hand right now or is it only when you move it? And she's like, okay, when I move it, anytime I move it, I feel it. And they prayed for her and her hand immediately felt 100% healed. It was incredible. It was incredible. So that gave me the faith to say, hey, that can happen in Israel with, you know, foreigners uh, coming in and, and praying for people. It can happen for us living here, speaking the language and all that stuff. So, so we um, began going out into the streets of Jerusalem once a month about... 15 to 25 people in groups of two to four. We'd separate out. And we just were motivated by love and wanted to just relate with people and begin relationships and share about what's going on um, in the faith and how they can uh, experience God and experience Yeshua especially. So um, we have a lot. Of, I have a ton of stories. I'm going to share one story for myself and another story actually for my daughter. So first story for myself, the, I think it was like the first time we went out. A um, bunch of miraculous things happened, but I found myself through a bunch of circumstances alone. And my group had, was already talking to a couple people, so I was alone. And I was just like, I don't want to waste this time. Like, I've dedicated this time to, to reach out to people. And I just prayed to God, what, what, what should I do? Uh, what, what, do you, what do you want me to do with this time? And uh, God really clearly said to me, pointed out a guy who was an older guy walking down the street really slowly with a cane and all that stuff. And he said, um, listen to his story. Ask him to tell you his story. And so, I mean, I'm all about this organic relating kind of way. And this was already a little bit non-organic to just go up to somebody and say, tell me your story. But I felt like I had to do it. God spoke to me. So I go up to this older man and he's probably uh, late 70s maybe, let's say. Because um, my parents are early 70s. So he's older. So he's, he's late 70s, obviously. Um, so he... So I go up to him and I say, hey, what's your name? His, his name is Shimon, uh, uh, Simon, if you can. Uh, so, so this is all translated from Hebrew and for you guys, for your sake. And, and I say, um, I know it's weird, but I just feel like I'm supposed to maybe hear a story from you. Do you have any stories for me? And he says, um, you want to hear a story? And I said, yep, yeah, I'd love to hear stories. He says, do you know who Danny Ayalon is? And I said, uh, or do you know who Danny Ayalon? And I said, I do not know Danny Ayalon. And he says, do you, do you know who Danny Ayalon is? And I said, I know who he is. He's a politician. He, I think he was the ambassador to America 
from Israel, a bunch of things like that. And he, he said, yes, Danny Ayalon is my nephew. I said, oh, wow. Well, tell me your story, Uncle to Danny Ayalon. And we ended up talking for a good hour about his life coming out of Algeria, living in uh, France for a time, born before Israel was a country, and coming to Israel and, and, and making a life here, and he speaks French and Hebrew, and it was just an incredible experience to, to, to connect with him in a relational way. Even though it didn't begin the most organically, it was relational. And I got his phone number. I have Danny Ayalon's uncle's phone number in my phone today. I follow up at least twice with him, and I've had coffee with him another time we went out into the city, and we were dedicating time for, for evangelism and for, for outreach and relational connection. And it was just such a kiss from God on the first day of us doing this that I connected with somebody like that. That's just one story of so many. There's so many stories. Um, another story, fun one, a little bit scary, but fun. Uh, my daughter, uh, we're in the car, my wife and I with our kids, and my daughter is in the car with us, and we're on the way somewhere, and she says, um, Mom and Dad, I uh, went into somebody's house this morning when I was on the walk with uh, Daisy, with our dog. Uh, we're like, okay, and she's like, yeah, I went into this man's house. And immediately, obviously, my wife and I are like, okay, we're going to need to hear more about this. This, is, this does not sound good does not sound good at all. So we say, oh, honey, um, tell us more. That's important to hear more about what happened. Tell, tell us what happened. She says, okay, well, I'm walking Daisy, our dog, and an ambulance came up to a house and came up next to me while I was walking. And I said, okay, ambulance, that's not a bad thing. And these um, doctors, they're probably paramedics, came into this house, and I asked the doctors as they were going to the house, said, can I go into the house too and pray for this guy who's sick? And we all of a sudden were like, what did you do? Wow, what boldness, what amazing ability to, to just, what a heart. Wow, that's cool. So what happened? They said, yeah, you can go in. So she went inside with these paramedics into this guy's house uh, who had apparently fainted and was not doing well. And so she says to the group that's standing there and while they're working on him, says, can I pray for you that you feel better? And the guy, who's not feeling well, agrees to pray for. And so she prays for this older construction worker guy or something to feel better. And the paramedics end up joining in with the prayer after her to help this guy feel better. Inside of Jerusalem, in Hebrew, for these random people. This is, this is our lives here, which is incredible, the, the experience. So... Um, Liana, our daughter, was incredible. She's got no fear, and uh, praise God, it didn't turn out worse than it could have, but um, it was a good story. Um, in general, as we have been going out every month and, and talking to people and uh, sharing our faith, we've actually gotten better and better. Uh, it's happened naturally. We've learned lessons over time. Uh, one, one more story about the lessons learned. I... Uh, I was sharing with an Ethiopian, older Ethiopian gentleman. I was with another pastor named Odet Shoshani, who some of you guys know. And I was the one uh, opening the conversation. It, it went with about, I don't know, four or five seconds, and the guy stood up and walked away. And I was like, hmm, that was weird. I didn't really even get into anything, and he left. That was weird. Odet, what do you, what do you think happened there? You know, because we're trying to learn as we go. And Odet said, 
Ah, uh, I think he thought you were hitting on him. Uh, so I learned a lesson in friendliness that day, that there's a line in friendliness, and we want to be careful not to come across too friendly, even with other men. That was unexpected for me, but um, I definitely learned that lesson to, to, to still be a guy's guy when I talk to guys. Uh, just one example of many, many, many things that we've learned as we go. Um, I think that even though, to go back to our, to our original analogy of the much muscles and the atrophy, even though we weren't breaking any records in, in weightlifting in, in our group, we definitely were getting stronger, we were definitely using our muscles, and we were, we were definitely seeing uh, progress. Now, I wanna, I wanna stop for a second about me and my experiences. I wanna go a little bit into scripture. We're not gonna use a lot of scripture as I said before, but please, if you have a Bible or what's called a, a cellular phone, if you have a smartphone, anyone have that? Please open your Bibles up to the book of Matthew, or us we like to call it in, in the Christian world, the Gospel of Matthew, the Psorat Matai. Uh, Matthew chapter 14, verse 24. So please open your Bibles up with me. I'm not, I don't put, want to put on a, a screen, I just want you to follow along with me. Matthew 14, verse 24. Okay, I'm going to read it out loud. I'm going to re just read through it, and then we're going to come back and look at some different things in this short story, okay? Now, the boat was already a long way from land, tossed around by the waves, for the wind was against it. Now, in the fourth watch of the night, which I understand between, somewhere between 3 and 6 a.m., early, early morning, late night, whatever you want to call it, Yeshua came to them, walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It's a ghost! And they cried out with fear. But immediately, Yeshua spoke to them, saying, Take courage, it is me. Don't be afraid. Answering, Peter said to him, said to Yeshua, Master, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And he said, Come. And Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water to go to Yeshua. But seeing the wind, he became terrified. And began to sink, he cried out, saying, Master, save me! Immediately, Yeshua reached out his hand and grabbed him. And he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got onto the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, You really are Ben Elohim, the Son of God. Now, we're going to go back into this. First thing, it's, it's a side note, but it's so fun, and you guys got to go into this sometime. When, when Yeshua speaks to them saying, take courage, I, I am, or it is me, the Hebrew there is anihu. And this anihu is a fun thing that happens in, several times in Scripture. It's, 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 it's a quasi-claim of divinity coming from Parashat Azinu, uh, from the Torah portion of Azinu. Uh, and, and he also uses it when he's in the, the Garden of Gethsemane, when the, 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 all the people come and try to take him, and he says, I am. It says, Anihu. And it, boom, they all fall backwards. So it's this like, really cool thing, the Anihu thing. Anyway, that's not the main point. The main point is this interaction between Peter and Yeshua. Now, most of the time we look at the scripture and we say, Peter's kind of a failure here. Peter took his eyes off of it, he was distracted, he was scared of the storms, and he sank. 
That's what we normally take away. That's the lesson we normally get, right? I want to share a little different perspective on it, okay? I want to share the perspective of there are actually only one person successful here and there's 11 failures. 11 people chose not to get out of the boat at all and chose not to experience what it means to walk on water. Peter is there. He's seeing Yeshua walking on water and says, that is awesome. I'm a little bit freaked out, but I want to like walk on water too. I want to I wanna do this. I want to go see Yeshua and be out there with him. Like I'm, a, I'm one of his disciples. I get to be where he is, okay? And he's, he goes and he says, call me out and I'll do it. And Yeshua calls him out and he goes. Why did not any of the other guys say, wow, Yeshua's doing it. Peter's doing it. I want to do it. I want to get out there and start walking on the water. No one else does, just Peter. And so what's, what's really cool here, and what's, I think the lesson is for a lot of us is, even though Peter may not have been the most amazing water walker person in the world, he still got out of the boat. And he still went and did some walking on the water until he had to learn a lesson of not to get afraid and to take courage and have faith. And also, we'll just point out there that Yeshua doesn't correct him until uh, right uh, when on the boat. He corrects him right away when he pulls him out of the water. It says, Yeshua reached out, grabbed his hand, grabbed him, and he said to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? It's a private correction. Then they got into the boat, and the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped and said, You really are Ben Elohim, son of God. Okay, so it was, it was not a bad thing to have Yeshua tell him how he could have done better in walking in the water. This is a lesson for all of us in relational gospeling, in the, the effort to share our faith with others, with others. We need to just get out of the boat, to just try, to just say something. To walk in the water a little bit. Even if we're not going to walk in the water forever. Even if we, we aren't the best at it. Even if our muscles have atrophied. We need to get out there and do that. So um, I believe. We did a whole s series of courses. Um, with Odetto Shining Congregation on evangelism and all that stuff. So we've done a, a lot of effort in this. And, I, and what I've experienced is that. When, we, when you start talking about this topic. Um, God God is so good to give you a good opportunity in the next few days. I believe everyone here is going to do an opportunity in the next few days where they're going to feel that tug to share something and you have an opportunity to get out of the boat. I, I really believe it. It's proven true for us over and over and over again. Um, even if you've never done so before, remember that the only true failure is to stay in the boat. That's the really only true failure. If you are motivated in love, to share something, to, to pray for somebody, to just say God loves you or, or something that's motivated out of love for the other person. I'm sorry you're feeling this way. I'm sorry that you're hurt. I, I hope you feel better. God loves you. I'll be praying for you. Something, any, anything. If you're motivated by love, I believe it will have fruit. It'll be using a muscle that is atrophied. Now, I'm going to go back to the, the, the overheads because I know the people who love like... Um, you know, taking notes and things like that, they usually want to have a little bit of structure. So I'm going to give you a little bit more structure here, okay? Note pe taking people, this is your time to shine. I love note taking people. They keep me organized. Thank you, Lauren, for note taking people. Okay, um, here's some lessons learned that we learned 
And as we went through this process of, of beginning to do this, okay, first thing, and I've already alluded to a few times, love motivation. I can't say it strongly enough. Love motivation. Your, your motivation cannot be anything, even good things like sharing truth or, or, or I don't know, uh, making an impact or, or, or getting over your fears or anything like that. Your motivation, first and foremost, has to be love. If you are doing it because you are feeling love for people, it's almost impossible to go wrong. And even if you're not good at it, even at that stuff, it's almost impossible to go wrong if you're, if you're doing it for love. The second um, re the note here is boldness. Um, it, it inevitably happens the soon as you get that tug to say something, about a thousand reasons not to say something come into your heart. You're like, oh, but but like maybe I mess it up and maybe they'll reject me and maybe I'll do a bad job and actually make them even more against Yeshua and uh, my breath might stink and I don't know what else to say. And there's tons of things that happen. You have to think boldness. I'm supposed to do something here, even if it's not perfect. I'm telling you, it's the lesson that just gets you from on the boat to off the boat, even if you don't swim for very or walk on water for very long. Uh, that's the second thing. So, so note takers here, you have two things you can write bullet point there. Love, motivation, boldness. Third thing here, authenticity. Oh my goodness. It is so important, the issue of authenticity. Not just authenticity and who you are, which is I think extremely important, but also authenticity that you really want relationship. That you care about the other person. You want to listen, not just talk. That you want to know like what's going on in their life. And you'd love to stay in touch. And even if you don't get to share the core elements of what the Bible is that Yeshua died on the cross and all this stuff for yourself, even if you just share a little bit about the kingdom, not everything there is, that you still would love to have a relationship with them. That authenticity, authenticity of having wanting relationship is super important and works wonders if you can actually have that heart. And if you have the heart of love, it's very easy. The second thing is also to be authentic with yourself. Every one of us has our own story. It's called a testimony, but obviously there's different ways of sharing that. But, but if you can be authentically who you are, so when I'm in Israel, I'm sharing about how I'm a Gentile whose parents came to faith through a Messianic Jew, but I've chosen to live in Israel. I'm married to a Jewish girl, woman, and, and we have kids and we're raising them Jewish. And why did I choose to live here when America, all the Israelis want to get back to America and live there and make money? That, that is part of my testimony of how I can be authentically connected to them and, and sharing. I, it's weird. I know I'm going to share one more story about authenticity. It's super weird. And please don't stone me for this, okay? It's it's just something that that's who I am, okay? This is going to be a little bit edgy. But this is how we are in this. We're edgy. I'm sorry we're edgy, but we are. Um, I was talking with this guy. Uh, he was a British guy speaking English. And I was with another woman who's... Um, who's a Spanish background and she tried to give him a track and share things and I was like, I don't do tracks so much, but uh, let's see how it goes. It didn't go so well. And he kind of said, get away from here. I don't want to talk to you. And I said, I came up to him and I said, hey, um, that accent, what is that accent? Is that a, a British accent? And he says, maybe, very standoffish. And I said, um, or probably like, maybe, I don't know. I'm trying to do my British accent, it's not going well. Uh, and I said, okay, maybe, um, maybe, maybe Scottish. And he goes, oh, Scottish. And I go, okay, British it is, British it is. Um, 
well, we have a British woman living with us right now who's staying with us, and she really likes tea. I don't know why tea is such a big deal for Brits. So what's, tell me tell me about this tea culture thing so I can relate with her better. And he said, well, tea's a big deal. Blah, blah, blah. So I said, okay, okay, that's really good. Um, tea, I'm not really into tea. I'm sorry, I don't do hot drinks so well. But but I, I do understand that Brits really like their, their whiskey. And I like whiskey. I'm a, a big fan of single malt, high-quality whiskey in small amounts. I've never been drunk in my life. Please discamber this, okay? It's recorded. So I've never been drunk in my life, okay, just so you don't know. Um, so I shared about whiskey, and he says, oh, yes, single malt whiskey is a very big deal for Brits and blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, so what's your favorite? And we talked about that for a few seconds. And he said, oh, you like this one. And I said, what do I like? And then I said, well, you know what? The, the original word for, for whiskey is Latin, and it's aqua vitae, which means the water of life. And I believe there's actually a water of life from a spiritual source also. So I was able to take whiskey and include that in evangelism in a very organic way. And that's me just being authentic of who I am, something I'm passionate about and I like, that hopefully everyone else can use your own ways of thinking, whether it's, I don't know, Zumba or whatever it is. Um, use who you are. Be authentic. Okay, moving on. We're, we've got to move a little faster here. Okay, um, it's, I say testimonies here, but what I'm really trying to share is be, be passionate about something and keep it simple to what stuff you know. Don't, you don't have to go into every theological uh, reason or, or, or discussion or something like that. You don't have to go into all that stuff. You can just simply talk about what you know, what you've, only, you've experienced for yourself. What, is it, what does it mean to have a testimony? It's something that you were eyewitness of, that you've experienced yourself. You don't come into a courtroom for, for secondhand accounts. You, you come in to share what you know. And so that's what we need to do. We just need to keep it simple and share what we know. Um, you may have experienced healings or, or words of knowledge in your journey, visions or dreams that prove true, or maybe just like the fact that you feel really truly forgiven for things you've done. That's, that's stuff that people want to hear about. If it's truly authentically yours and something that you know and have experienced, you don't see a lot of evangelists that are like big theologians. Why is that? Because it's not about reaching people's heads with the truth. It's about reading, reaching people's hearts with the one who is true. I'll repeat that. It's not about reaching their heads with the truth. It's about reaching their hearts with the one who is true. The heads will come along if their hearts are in it. If we can grab their hearts, if we can say there's something here that God is calling you into relationship, because that's what sin is, right? Is we're separating us from relationship. It's not breaking down our minds. It does that also, but it's about that relationship thing. If we can do that, then we can get to their heads also. So simple people are also often very great at being evangelists. Uses the, the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, right? So, so don't be afraid that you don't know the theological arguments and don't even go there. Keep it as the, the simple testimonies from your life. Now here's something that um, also really helped us, role-playing. Um, I mean this in a very uh, good way. We would choose one person to be the, the person who's the, the non-believer who's, who's getting uh, reached out to, and we'd have one or two people who talk to them. And we would do this before we went out as a group, and we would literally role-play scenarios. We would tell the, the person quietly, Okay, you're a secular uh, Israeli uh, businessman, and you're doing this and this, and here's how your business is going. Okay, that's you. Boom. And then we go to the evangelist and say, okay, go ahead and start a relationship and try to have a conversation with them. And it was really hard at first, but people learned little by little how to do that. And it really helped their muscles grow. 
Um, that role-playing action, it seems silly, but it's a, it's a safe way to begin using those muscles again and, and how we'd want to talk to people um, and sharing with friends or family or strangers. And, and you can know who those people are and who are in your community. So role-playing is a great thing to help. Okay, last one, get excited. Get excited. One, one of the things, think of one of the things that you love talking about the most, whether that's, I don't know, sports or video games or, I don't know, great shopping deals or politics, whatever. Think about something that you love to talk about, okay? And now think of how you can share with the same level of excitement about your faith. I, mean, I, I used to love the Washington Redskins, like, passionately. And I loved the Washington Redskins a lot more and shared about the Washington Redskins a lot more than I did about my faith. And that probably is not the right order, if we're being honest with ourselves, okay? If there's something like that in your life, also, I just want to give a personal recommendation. If there's something in your life that you're more passionate about than sharing about the kingdom, consider a fast of that thing for a period of time, because it may have become an idol or probably has become an idol in your life. So, so try to think about reading your Bible and, and, and worshiping corporately and services, worshiping privately in your home, being together as a congregation. And, and think about how sharing all these things with somebody else could be a really exciting thing. It could be really awesome to share about what you're reading about in the Bible or about how fun it is to worship God in this ancient language that like Yeshua spoke and blah, blah, blah. Like think about all that stuff and think about how you can be passionate about it. Because if you're not excited about it, it's, it's, it's not going to be excited to anyone else either. If you're more excited about the, um, I don't know, Kansas City Chiefs or whatever getting in the Super Bowl, then, you know, your, your evangelism is probably not going to be very strong. Your gospel is not very strong. You're relating on something that's a weak connection. So try to get excited about what God is doing and has done and can do and get excited about how to share that with other people. That's really important. Quick thing, again, note takers are going to love this. I have these four circles of, of uh, gospeling, of, of bisul. Okay, this is something that I've come up with on my own. Four circles. Okay, the center of that circle is salvation. Yeshua saves us, connects with us, relates with us. That's really, really, really important. This, this salvation message. That's the core of what we're sharing. Okay, the second thing is kingdom. That this kingdom of that hand that it can like give us all kinds of good things. We can live a life that is um, living out um, heaven on earth. That's a really important thing. Um, that's a slightly broader circle, but it's definitely core to what we're trying to sh say. The, the, the third level being this intentional relationship thing. Even if I'm not able to share with somebody about Yeshua and salvation or a kingdom, I can like build a relationship with somebody that is talking about spiritual matters. I do this a lot. I talk to people about spiritual things. You know, what do you think about what the, how the earth was created or that kind of stuff? I'm intentionally creating a relationship that is about spiritual things. And the last thing is biblical values. I used to, talk, to think about myself as being uh, evangelizing or gospeling when I drove up from my old house to a, a checkpoint where, where Arab uh, village people would merge in with us, go through this checkpoint. And every time I would say, I'd leave, bring at least one person, I'd say, no, come in, please, please, come in. Just to break down that like, we are supposed to hate each other thought. That's biblical value, just loving other people, 
um, sharing, just the basic do unto others as you would do unto yourself. Like those kind of values, doing our businesses in a, in a way that is um, integrity. That's biblical values. Why do I do it? I do it because God says to do it. I do it because Yeshua is creating in me a character like him. I'm going to be glory to glory, be changed into his image. Like That's that's how we talk about biblical values in a way. And for those who you know want to be pirates one day, you can use the helpful acronym, SCURBV, the, the, the classic, you know, SCURBV is kind of like scurvy, which pirates had to deal with a lot. So anyway, I don't know if that's going to be helpful or not, SCURBV. Um, so in summary, we're finishing up now, guys. Uh, it's so obvious. It's so obvious that we want to levaser habsorah lekol basar to 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 share the good news with all flesh. But it is hard, and it's although simple to just start a conversation with somebody to just do it. It's really scary to step out of that boat and to try to do that. So I recommend that you find somebody, one, two, three other people, that you can do a role-playing thing with them and just try it a little bit. See if you can even bring a conversation up that can get to something spiritual on any of those levels. You know, try thinking about, okay, I want to get to the level of kingdom. Okay, kingdom is my level I want to get to in this conversation and try it in a role-playing way and see how you can do. And it'll help you to, to know how to manage a conversation but also how to... To, to, to really see how a conversation flows in an organic way and how we're maybe have gone into what we used to call Christianese or Messianic talk, lingo of our own. Um, I remember one time we were doing, a, we were doing a, a role play and somebody, I was the one who's being evangelized or witnessed to, and, and, and they, they, they said, oh, can I pray for you for these things that you were dealing with? And I was like, oh yeah, you, I'd love for you to pray for my business thing. I was being a businessman. And they go, okay, thanks. And they go like this. And they put their hand on me and they close their eyes and they start talking. I'm like, whoa, I don't say anything. I, I, I was like, what's going on here? Because we don't think about it. But for a person who's maybe never experienced it, closing your eyes and putting your hand on them may, may be a little weird. So learning how, how we maybe have, have gotten used to certain things we don't do a lot of this is a helpful thing. We can do that in uh, role playing. Um, digging into love, having that love motivation is super, super important. Being bold and not allowing all those thousands of reasons that suddenly come to your head not to say anything, to, to win out, but to get out of the boat, to be authentic both uh, in your relationship, wanting relationship, and also in yourself and who you are. Sharing a testimony, write it down maybe even, a short testimony of who you are and how you've come to who you are and how God has changed you. And lastly, get excited because it's really exciting to be able to share this and somebody be into it. We've seen a couple people uh, really changed. One of them has given their life to the Lord and has such a joyful experience. So we, we, there's not a lot of fruit in it because we're just starting and it's Jerusalem and there's a lot of warfare ever. But praise God, it's worth getting excited about. And I will stop sharing my screen because I'm done.